The scripture reading this morning will be from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. This can be found in the uh, Pew Bibles uh, in front of you on page 1082, if you'd like to follow along. That's 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Good morning. It is good to be at Mount Juliet Church of Christ this morning. Uh, what a blessing it is to be here. If you're a guest, uh, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here. We want to be an encouragement to you. It is a great time of the year with school about to start. There's so much on our minds. And one of the things that we're grateful for is the opportunity to participate in the supply in July. Thank you for each one of you that did so. About 80 families were helped. And uh, also we have found uh, that... Uh, Guidance counselors have contacted us back with nine more names. Also, several of you have given additional funds, so probably about half of that is taken care of. So what we need is nine of you that's willing to go out and, and shop again, and uh, about half of that, that will the expense will be refunded back to you because of donations already made. If you have interest in doing that, be sure and see John Michael. It's exciting to hear the stories of the families and especially the children when they receive their supplies. John Michael talked about one little boy that opened it up and pulled out a pair of socks and said, look, mom, socks. Uh, it's good to be able to help and we're thankful to have that opportunity. We're also thankful for all that's been done for the youth encouragement services with the backpacks. We're thankful for Daniel Kirby and Eric McGreevy and the work that they continually do to help uh, those that, that are less fortunate and those that we can share with. And in so doing, we give God all the glory and we hope that the love of God is shown in that. Now mentioning Daniel Kirby's name reminds me that this coming Saturday is our men's prayer breakfast at 8 o'clock, August 3rd, 8 o'clock, and he's the speaker at it. So be sure, men, and mark your calendars for that. As we've already mentioned, back to school, many will start this week and others within the next few days or weeks. And it's a huge time in the life of a youth. Some will go to big school for the first time. Some will walk into a high school for the first time. Some have plans to make this a turnaround year and get serious about their studies. Others have already committed to be more evangelistic and really try to reach out to their friends, even those that aren't their friends, and even their teachers. We want to be prayerful about all the good that is done. I don't know of a way that we can be more effective in reaching the world for Jesus Christ than being serious about our schools. I'm so thankful that we have youth here that are serious about our schools. And some of you families sitting out in the audience literally found the Mount Juliet Church of Christ because one of your teenagers was invited because of a teenager here invited them and then later the family came and we're thankful that you're here and we want to send our teachers, our staff, faculty, we want to send our youth off to one of the greatest evangelistic fields that there is with a determination to let their light shine before men as they go back to school. With that in mind, 
we do believe that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. And so tonight we want to pray for every school by name. So if you are faculty, a staff, or a student attending a school, will you go ahead and mark that on your attendance card right now and be sure and turn that in at the close of service today. And we'll be praying for all of those schools by name uh, this evening. And we look so forward to that opportunity. We're thankful for all of you uh, that will be going to school and those of you that work with our youth. What a wonderful blessing you are to our community. Perhaps you're at that age of dating right now. Perhaps if not, you can remember those days. Do you remember how hard it was to break up? Breaking up's just hard to do. As a matter of fact, sometimes people that need to have done it back several weeks or months and even sometime years ago, they, they just can't do it. They continually procrastinate. Why is it so hard to do? Other times, barring a phrase from the book of Daniel, others will say, well, you should have seen the handwriting on the wall. That relationship, it was obvious it was never going to work and yet you just kept going and going back to that relationship. This morning, it may sound really strange, but if you haven't broken up in this relationship, I'm going to beg you to break up this morning. And over the next month, we'll continue to think about things that we need or we do not need from that relationship. This morning, if you've never been serious about your breakup with the world... This morning is the time to pause and see what God says about it. Have you really, really ended that relationship? There are so many lies that Satan will tell us about that relationship with the world that tries to convince us that we can keep one foot in the world and one foot with the Father. And yet what we see clearly and strongly throughout these passages is that that's just not the case at all. As a matter of fact, what I'd like for you to see for the first point this morning is loving the world means not loving the Father. That's sometimes hard for us to believe. Revelation 3rd chapter, verse 14, he talks to the church of Laodicea and he tells that church of Laodicea, you were neither cold nor hot. In other words, you had one foot in the world and one foot in, in the church. You were trying to stand on religious ground as well as irreligious ground, irreverent ground. And he says, it's not going to work. He says, God says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. There is no such thing, even though Satan will lie to us, Satan will try to convince us, you can love me and you can love the Father, you can love the world, and you can still love the spiritual. And I want you to go back to that text that was just capably read just a few moments ago in 1 John and 2. And we're going to read verse 15 again, but before we do so, I'd like for you to notice a few things that usually when a writer whether he's inspired or not, uses the same words over and over. Usually it is for emphasis sake. And I want you to notice that in verse 15, the word world is used three times. And it's used three more times in the following two verses. The word love or loves is used three times. And the word father or God is used three times. In other words, if we were going to say this text, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, what is it about? It does teach a lot about the love of the Father and the love of the world. But one of the things that it's teaching very strongly is 
you must decide. You cannot love the world and love the Father. And so the three things that's emphasized over and over is world, love, and Father. And the choice is yours this morning. Have you broken up with the world and have you fully committed yourself to the Father? But don't believe the lie that you can do both. Look again at 1 John 2 and 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone, you see there's no exception, that includes you. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you will, be turning your Bibles to Matthew, the sixth chapter. We're going to have one verse on the screen, but if you have your Bibles open, I'd like to show you some other verses that many of you are going to say, I remember those, those verses. And I want you to think about the setting here in the Sermon on the Mount that got us to the point of Matthew 6 and 24, where Jesus clearly states, you cannot serve two masters. But how did we get here? When you back up into Matthew 6 and 19, you remember these verses? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth that's where the world is, where the moth and the rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see what he's saying? He's saying, do you love the world? Do you live for everything you can build up in the world? You see, that's the lust of the eye. I can get more. I can get more. Do you live for that? How long is it going to last? Well, we know when Jesus comes again, it's not going to last. But he's even saying it won't even last that long. The things of the world are continually decaying. Well, what should we do? We should live for the things that are eternal. Our heart should be set upon the eternal, not upon the temporal. We can't love both. Now, notice, we've had that layout there of which we're going to love. And now notice how he says it in 22 and 23. The lamp of the body is the eye. You know, the eye is the window to the soul. It's the way to the mind and the heart. The lamp of the body is the eye, 22. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Exclamation mark. Jesus is teaching. It's the great sermon on the mount. You're laying up treasures on earth. They're only going to be stolen from you. They're going to decay. Why not lay up treasures in heaven? Does your life have darkness in it? It's a great darkness. In other words, you can't share light with that darkness. You're either light or you're dark. And that's where we get to verse 24. No one, no one, no exception. You're not an exception. No one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can not serve God and, and fill in the blank with anything. But here Jesus fills the blank in with mammon. You can't serve God and money, God and material things, God and worldly things, God and darkness. Do you understand? Do we all believe this morning that when we have a love for the world, that means 
I do not love the Father. That's not my interpretation of it. That's exactly what he was saying in 1 John 2 and 15. That's exactly what he's teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount. I'd like for you to drop back to 1 John, the first chapter. 1 John, the first chapter. You see, when he says this in 1 John 2 and 15, this isn't the first time this has come up. As a matter of fact, the epistle of John is written by an elderly apostle, of course, named John. The one that Jesus loved is how he was sometimes termed in the scriptures. He is writing an epistle of love because he loves the Father so much and he wants what he sometimes calls his dear children to love the Father like he loves the Father. This is literally a love letter. But yet we can't get hardly beyond the first paragraph without him continually coming back to this point of our love must be loyal. Now, we don't have time to develop all the thoughts in these first four or five verses, but I just want you to see how he's, he's begging the reader to fall in love with Jesus. But then immediately he says, but I've got to give you warning. You've got to look out for the world, for the darkness. Now, notice how he does this. I want you to imagine he walked with Jesus in the flesh. And now look at verse 1. That which was from the beginning. So remember, Jesus wasn't created in the beginning. He was already there in the beginning. And that's what he's pointing out here. Which we have heard. You see what John's saying? John's saying, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. I, I heard him in person which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and with your hands, our hands, have handled concerning the word of life. That's concerning Jesus Christ. The life was manifest, it was shown, and we have seen, and we bear witness, and we declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father, but you see, he left the Father and he was manifested to us. He came to earth. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. Now notice that. We want you to have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. I would love to have heard John say this. It would have been very sincere and, and so explicit. It, it would have been it, the, the, the description, the meaning. It would have been so deep or it would have been great excitement. It would have been, let me tell you about the one that was there in the very beginning. He was with the father. But when he came to the earth, we got to hear him. We got to see him. We put our eyes upon him. We even put our hands upon him. He put his hands out and said, touch the prince. Put your hand in my side. He's the one that gives eternal life. And we want you to have the same fellowship with him that we had with him. Now think about what we're talking about this morning. You want to break up with the world? The only way to break up with the world is have a very real and lasting relationship with the Father with the Son, Jesus, and with the Spirit. Now, I want you to think about here, John is literally trying to sell us on having a relationship with Jesus. John is saying, we had that relationship and you can have the same relationship. Okay, now, let's read verse five and six. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light 
and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Why go there? Isn't that interesting that, that the first few verses is, let us tell you about the relationship we have with Jesus. Let us tell you about the relationship we want you to have in Jesus. Why go there? Because it's that important. If you want that relationship with Jesus, you have to decide, are you going to break up with the world? You can't keep a foot in the world. You can't say, I'm just going to walk in a little bit of darkness. Imagine no barriers in a room. No barriers in saying this part of the room is going to be dark and this part of the room is going to be light. It is impossible. Light dispels darkness. It is impossible spiritually. And that's what the writer, what John and others, even Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, that's what they're trying to get us to believe. And they're trying to get us to see through the lies of Satan. Satan wants to convince us that we can live in darkness and live in light at the same time. That we can have two masters. And Jesus is saying you can't have two masters. John is saying if the love of the world is in you, the love of the Father will not be in you. And so I have to decide who am I going to believe? Am I really going to believe that the love of the Father is not going to be in me? Number two, I need to realize this from this text here in 1 John 2, 15, 16, and 17, especially from verse 17. I need to recognize that loving the world is a sure loss. It's a sure loss. Look down at verse 17 again. 1 John 2, we have 15 through 17 on the screen. Drop down to the bottom there, 17. And notice he says, and the world is passing away and the lust of it. There's nothing substantial. There's nothing lasting about the world. It is passing away. What if I sell you some stock for $100 a share and I can guarantee that by next year, it'll be worth a dollar a share. You want to buy some? What if I can show you a house and I say, hey, the kitchen floor, it's, it's not exactly sturdy. I mean, if you walk out in the middle, you might want to walk real quick because it's going to sag and creak and probably parts of the floor will break through if you stood on it. But hey, the whole floor isn't like that. What if I could offer you a car that five out of ten times it'll get you to your destination, but the other five times you'll probably have to walk. But it's not totally unreliable. Do you realize those things I've just described to you, you wouldn't want any of them. And do you realize in all of those they were not total losses? You still have a kitchen floor you could walk around on some parts of it. You still have a dollar out of your hundred dollars for every share that you had. It wasn't a total loss. You have a car that's not a total loss. It gets you there part of the time. Listen, I need to recognize that when I take my eggs and I put them in a basket and I place that basket in the world, it is total loss. Nothing good, lasting, eternal, or permanent will come out of that kind of investment. Let's go back to our theme verse for this year. Matthew, the 16th chapter, in verse 26. For what profit, think about the words profit, gain, loss. What profit is it to a man 
if he gains the whole world. Back to our text, 1 John 2 and 16. What would be a part of the gain of the desires? The flesh. You could get anything your flesh desired. Anything that you, you would long to be addicted to. You could get all you wanted. Your eyes, the greediness. You could get every, every possession you've ever wanted to own. Your pride. You could have all kind of pride. That, that idea that I know better than God. I know a few things that God doesn't know. You can have all the pride in the world, all the desires of the flesh. What if you could gain the whole world but lose your soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen, we can gain a lot out in the world, but the problem is it always becomes loss. I'd like for you to turn back in your Bibles. It's very close to the text this morning. Drop back just a few pages to 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3, verse 10 and 11. Let's look at what's going to happen to everything that we own. As we read this, I want you to think about that nice piece of jewelry you bought. I want you to think about that car that you drive and the other one that's in the garage. Think about that boat and the boathouse. Think about that timeshare. Think about that, that, that drawer that's fireproof that has all those envelopes that all stacked together is worth thousands and thousands of dollars in what they represent. Think about that house you're going to drive back home to in a little bit. I want you to think about every possession that you own and what's going to happen to it all one day. Well, let's read about when Jesus comes again. 2 Peter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens, that's talking about the sky and even the solar system, that'd be the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets. What's going to happen to all this vastness? It's going to pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. We're standing on the day of judgment. The Lord has called us up to meet him in the clouds. And we look back over our shoulder and what has he done to everything? Everything is burned up. Where do you want your heart? Where do you want your mind? Where do you want your soul? Do you want your life invested in the things of the world? I love the world. I just can't leave her behind. She's such a good mistress. I want my relationship with the world. What's it going to do for you? It will be a total loss. Now notice verse 11 begins with therefore. Because if we really understand verse 10, it's going to change the way we live. So he says, therefore... Since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Peter says, doesn't that change things? If you realize that all these things you have, they're simply tools that you use to God's glory. You use your car to God's glory. You use your home to God's glory. You use your investments to God's glory. 
Because then when you use them, remember the Sermon on the Mount? Then you're storing up treasures in heaven. Anything you keep for selfish ambition, that's where your heart is and it does nothing of eternal value. Those things are burned up. It should change us so that we say, I want my life to be holy like God, 1 Peter 3. I want my, my life to be not only holy, but to have that godliness, characteristics of God. You know, I don't know how many of us have ever seen it, and probably not many of us have ever been in any situation like this, but it seems like we've all seen it in a Western somewhere along the way. A mirage out in the distance across the desert. And I want you to imagine that in front of you, you only have the energy to go for a short few minutes. Are you going to die? And in front of you is Jesus Christ. And he is at the well of eternal waters. He has the words of eternal life. And you look off to your left and you see this mirage that the water looks so inviting. And it's the world. Which one are you going to go to? You make your way to the world and when you get there, you're shocked because what you thought you saw isn't really there. You then recognize it was a complete loss. You move toward the Lord and when you get there, you find more than you ever thought was possible. You not only have life, but you have abundant life. You not only will live on this earth, but you will live for an eternity. When we keep our relationship with the world alive, we are asking for total loss because, point number three, loving the world prevents obedience. Look at the end of verse 17 again. First John 2 there, look at the end of verse 17. But he who does the will of God abides forever. It is impossible for us to love the world and do the will of the Father. Again, Satan will lie to us and try to convince us that we can, but we can't. And so we have to decide, are we going to do the will of the Father? What's the will of the Father? We've seen it over and over in the instructions this morning. The will of the Father is to break off that relationship with the world, to turn our back from the world, put our heart, our soul, our mind in the enlightenment of Jesus Christ to find that relationship with the Father. You know, one of the great examples in the Scripture is Demas. Now, I say he's a great example. I just mean he very well illustrates this. It's one of the sad examples in the scriptures. You see, when we read back in like Colossians, the fourth chapter, when Paul is closing out the book of Colossae, he writes to, uh, to many people greeting them and he's sending these greetings from others. And, and he talks about Demas and he even talks about Luke. You see, Demas is mentioned in a great text in a great way because of his faithfulness. But then we go to second Timothy, the fourth chapter, right before Paul dies in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, I'd like for you to look what it says about him. Be diligent. He's, Paul is writing to Timothy. Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved 
this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Demacia. What happened to him? Someone says, I want more, I want more details. And you know, the, the reality is we don't have to have more details. The reason we don't have to have more details, he told very specifically what happened. He's departed. Why did he depart? He loved this present world. Well, what does that mean? We already know from 1 John 2 and 15 what that means. He loved the world, so he stopped loving the Father. He loved the world, so he picked loss over victory. He loved the world, and it means that we will stop being obedient to the will of the Father. And what happens when we do that? Not only do we leave the Lord, but we leave the Lord's work, and we leave the Lord's workers. Listen. If everybody that started their walk with Jesus Christ as a part of this congregation that still lives in this area was still faithful to him, we would probably be two or three or four thousand in size. And the ability for us to reach out into this neighborhood would be many, many times far more effective. But what's happened is we've lost those that have gone back and loved the world. Not only did the Lord lose them, we lost them as fellow workers. Paul is saying, I need somebody to come and take the place of Demas. Why? Where's Demas? He has forsaken me. He's left. Friends, everybody here is important to the work of the Lord if you're doing your part. And what would cause you to not do your part? Love the world. Love the world. And that ceases the effectiveness of the Lord's work in your life. So where's your love this morning? Have you broken up with the world? Do you really love the Lord? What have we learned today? Number one, you don't have the capacity to love the world and God at the same time. Number two, a relationship with the world will cost you everything of value and offer nothing of good in return. Number three, I want you to think really carefully about this. Even the way we do weddings today, the bride, Jesus Christ, is coming back for all those who have broken up with the world and come to the Father. When we read of what Paul's words were, just before he talked about Demas, he has that paragraph where he says, for I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. And then he talks about that crown of victory that he's going to receive. And he says, it's not to me only, but it's to all those who love his appearing. Now isn't it interesting that in verse 9, it talks about loving Jesus appearing and in verse 11, Demas has forsaken because he loved the present world. That's the description of everyone here this morning. Your life either falls under the category of I love this present world or it falls under the category that says I love the appearing of Jesus Christ. I have stood right here a many a times beside a groom that has not seen his bride all day long and he's never seen her in her wedding dress and he's waiting for those back doors to open and you know what he loves? He loves the appearing of his bride. 
He can't wait for the doors to open. He loves to see her. You can see it in his eyes. You can see it in his expression. We either break up with the world and we love the appearing of our bride or we don't. We've got those eyes and we've got that heart for the world. And we have to decide. And the Lord makes it real clear. You try to pick both and I'll vomit you out of my mouth. The world sells packages of lies that leads only to loss. Jesus only gives us the truth that leads to eternal life. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you. I love the appearing of Jesus Christ. I can't wait to see those clouds roll back and hear a noise like I've never heard and hear a great trumpet sound and see my Lord and Jesus coming back for His own. This morning, if you don't love His appearing, you haven't ended a relationship that needs to be ended today. Don't procrastinate the breakup. Read the handwriting on the wall and more importantly, in the book of truth. That is a relationship that will get you nowhere except into destruction. This morning, let's fall in love with Jesus all over again. If we can help you with that, if you're ready to be baptized into him, if you're ready to be restored, if we can encourage you in any way, comes.